Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Would you please stand with me? And turn, if you have a Bible, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. It's good to have you in the house of the Lord today. Amen? And if you are a guest, we, we welcome you today. Thank you for choosing uh, this church. Sometimes I feel like I sound like an airline or a stewardess. Of all the churches you can choose from, we know you chose this one. Thank you for flying with the Church of the Redeemer uh, today. Good to have my mom in the house today. Good to see you, Mama. My mom missed yes, last Sunday. My mom missed last Sunday. I wore my white shirt for my mom last Sunday. He wore his shirt. He knew mom was coming today. Ephesians chapter 4. What a beautiful time to worship the Lord. We're going to look at the last two verses of chapter 4. Reads uh, 31 and 32. The word of the Lord reads, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. If you go to chapter 5, verse 1, it continues. says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you today for the privilege we have to hear your word, to read your word, to sing your word, to pray your word. Thank you, Father, for the people Lord, who have gathered together as the invitation went out, Lord. We were glad when you said unto us, let us go into the house of the Lord. We're mindful, Lord, that we can come to the house of the Lord. We can come to the house of the Lord and worship, Lord. As we start a new week, Lord, we are grateful for the privilege of the sustaining work of the Holy Spirit within us. Help us, Lord, because we're humans. Help us to hear your word. And because I'm a human, help me to speak your word, Lord, that we would hear the prophetic voice come today. It's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Tomorrow in the United States, we uh, take time to reflect and remember the life of Abraham Lincoln, born February 12th, 1809. Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States, and he served the country through probably one of the most uh, chaotic, culturally uh, divisive, racially uh, divided times of the United States. And he... uh, led the Union during the Civil War, brought about the emancipation of slaves, thought to be one of the greatest heroes because of his commitment to do the right thing. How many know we need some heroes today that do the right thing? 
He believed our founder's intention, which was fourscore and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. How many believe that proposition uh, today? He had to remind a nation that all men were created equal. I believe all women and men are created equal. And I believe that we're all created in the image of God. I have a little echo here. So maybe the monitors can turn that off for me. Thank you. He was known, and I don't know if you believe that, but sometimes some people believe we're a little bit, some are less than human and some are less image of God. But I believe that we're all created in the image of God. He was first called Honest Abe. How many remember that term or remember that term, Honest Abe? I, I picked up a story. It says he was working as a young store clerk in the store when he realized he had shortchanged a customer. Back then was a few pennies. He would close the shop and deliver the correct change regardless of how far he had to walk. Honesty and truth were principles that governed his life. According to one writer, Robert Rutledge, he says Lincoln's judgment was final in all the region of the country. It says that people relied implicitly upon his honesty, integrity, and impartiality. I think that's somewhat of the challenge of us today, trying to find integrity and impartiality and trying to rely on that. One of his closest friends said that he believed in the great laws of truth and the right discharge of duty, his accountability to God, the ultimate triumph of the right and the overthrow of the wrong. He once said that my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side. I think a lot of us are looking for God to be on our side when we should really be concerned about being on God's side. Today, uh, throughout the world, it's known as World Marriage Day, Sunday, February 11th. I don't know if you knew about that. It's an opportunity that many people in churches take to focus on the building of the culture of life and love that begins with supporting and promoting marriage and the family. Ministries like Focus on the Family and Family Life Today exist to support and promote godly marriages. Family Life Today has as its mission statement no, to effectively develop godly marriage and families who change the world one home at a time. I like that. You know, Abraham Lincoln did a great work, and he was only one man. And I like this mission that says we can change the world one home at a time. It's amazing. It thinks, I think about the marriage principles help to govern a healthy relationship and family. I'm grateful for this church and the many marriages that fill this church as part of the legacy and the history of this church. Evidence that God still can be honored in the relationship of a marriage between one man and one woman. We have phenomenal examples that live with us today. And that are in this room today, I think of my parents who have finished 60 years of marriage to the same person. What an amazing thing. I think of George and Mary Aguilar. I don't see them here today, but he always reminds me. I think he's 63 or 64 or something like that. And, oh, there's Mary. Sorry about that, Mary. And uh, man, that is amazing. And right here in living color. We have people who exemplify what God can do when we commit ourselves to God and to one another. 
I'm grateful for these godly examples we have in our life today. Society is suffering from godly examples of a marriage. We've made so many attempts to redefine what marriage is, explain that perhaps you don't have to show commitment. Maybe you can just live with that's all works. But research, social science research tells us that doesn't work. The best way to raise a child and for a child to thrive academically, economically, and socially is through a marriage that is leading the way, one man and one woman. Last week, we began a series on the Christian family. Principles of a Christian family according to Deuteronomy chapter 6. When he, they, they say the Shema, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and might. That's basically the foundation of our life. Loving the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and might. We discovered and we were reminded that it includes worship. And worship is remembering what God has done for you. And worship is reverencing that God's presence is in our life today. We also were reminded by Deuteronomy 6 that we have a story to tell. And we need to tell our story to the next generation. How God has brought us from a previous way of living, saved us, delivered us, and put us on the right track. And that's why we're here today. You are here today because of somebody's story. God did something in someone's life, and somehow through that life brought you where you live today. And we now continue the story. We have a testimony. Strong families have a strong story. So today I want to turn your attention to principles that God has established, I believe, for us to govern our families. Our text comes from Ephesians as we read to start today. Ephesians, according to Acts chapter 19, was one of the official cult centers of the world. Kind of like where we live today. I think we're probably unofficially living amongst cult centers all around us. I don't know if you've watched TV or you read the newspaper or you're on the internet, but man, we live amongst a lot of evil going on in society today. Paul writes to the church, in the midst of all that stuff, there was a church. In the midst of secular society today, there is a church. God has a people. So he writes the Christian theme, perhaps in Ephesians, the Christian theme of God's plan to reconcile Jews with Gentiles. And today I proclaim to you the Christian theme of Ephesus to the church here at Redeemer, that God wants to reconcile his world to each other and back to himself. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1 gives us a hint that it's written to the saints who are in Ephesus. Isn't that a great title? To the saints. Ephesus was, was, was messed up. Ephesus was a cultic center. Ephesus was debauchery, was sin. And he says to the saints in Ephesus. So no matter how bad things might be and you might think that the world's going down, there are saints in the world. And the God writes to the saints at the church of the Redeemer in Baldwin Park. I like the whole theme. You can get the quick, short theme if you like the Cliff Notes version. Chapter 1, verse 15 of the whole book says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord, Jesus, and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We have to be reminded because we live in such chaotic times that there is a hope 
that God has called us to, and there is a riches for his glorious saints. So today, in the midst of how we live life and where you find yourself, there is a hope. God has a plan for you and has eternal blessings to give you today. We know our purpose of life is built on a hope. We once again learn about these kind of guiding principles. If you turn with me to chapter 5, verse 1, and it reads, Therefore, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Whenever, whenever you read the word therefore, like I was taught in seminary, you should be reminded what it's there for. So based on the fact of chapter 4, verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ has forgiven you. As Matthew Henry says, for God's, for Christ's sake, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So one key principle I think we can learn from the letter written to Ephesus today is that we're called to imitate God. We are called, a principle for life is to imitate God. There is only one place, and it's right here in the whole Bible, where the word imitate is connected between our behavior, our Christian relationship to God. Imitate God. The idea underlines the whole teachings of the New Testament on the subject of how we as Christians conduct life and our character is built on imitating God. A principle for a healthy family is to imitate God. It begins with recognizing that we are children, as dear children. The New Living Translation reads, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Being a child, I don't know what kind of, uh, what kind of image that connotes in your mind, but being a child, kind of the imagery in my mind is if I'm a child, that means there's a, there's a bigger brother, there's a dad, there's a grandpa, there's something bigger than me that accepts responsibility that's there to lead me and to guide me and which for me to pattern my life after. We need to recognize that we are all dear children. We have to come to the understanding that as human beings, we have an ego. We can be arrogant, selfish, self-controlled, self-centered, me first like a child. Sometimes I explain to my students who are going into teaching, and I, and I explain to them that every child, though born in the image of God, every child is evil. We're going out to teach little devils. We're little devils, but God has redeemed us. He sees value in us and now calls us dear children. It's amazing. Well, we have to be reminded, even as adults, that we sometimes act like children. But as a child, we can be called by the Spirit of God. Recognize that we are children is part of being an imitator. Second thing is, recognize we have a role model. Chapter 5, verse 2 says, And walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The supreme model is God himself. He says, be an imitator of God. And then it says, and walk in love as Christ loved us. The word that, which that's translated from the Greek is mimetes. It's the root of the English term mimic. One who, uh, one who imitates or emulates, or we might say copies, who tries to act like someone else. It is a person who looks at the behavior or actions of another and says, I want to be like that. Now, those of you who have been blessed to have children, you probably sometimes see that in your children where they try to act just like you. They imitate, they mimic. 
I'm grateful that I was raised in the church. And I learned very young that there's a lot of great personalities in the church. And I could go home after church and we would imitate. Gloria a Dios. We would imitate. We would go home. We would copy, right? And I thought that was a good thing. My dad didn't think it was so good. He thought I was making fun of. You know, back in the time when we were poor, we didn't know we were poor. We would imitate the Latinos. We would imitate the choir. We would imitate the Kings Four in our garage. We would get bats because we didn't have real guitars. And we would get little cardboard boxes and we would make speakers. And we would have church service imitating what we had just seen in the afternoon or in the morning. Imitate means that we mimic. We copy after God our role model. The message version reads, watch what God does. And then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Message version says, keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loves us. That's walk in love. That's love like God who gave. Love like Jesus who gave. Let's imitate God. I remember sometimes when I wouldn't do things, something, when my behavior wasn't proper or inappropriate, my behavior was inappropriate, sometimes I would hear that word, hijo de su padre. You ever heard that? Because my first language was something other than Spanish, I thought that perhaps was a good thing. Then I realized when my mama was saying, hijo de su madre, when I did something good, I go, oh, I get it. I am thankful that I'm a hijo de mi padre. I am thankful that I'm an hijo de mi madre, that I get to model and copy after those who've gone before me. So be an imitator. Pretty simple. Second thing it says, live holy. What a principle. Live holy. Verse 3 says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. That's not popular to say what saints should be doing and how saints should be living their life or how Christians should be living. But the Bible says what is proper among saints. We often stop as people to say, well, it's just the principle of just love. But Ephesians doesn't stop there with just love. It says just love, but also act right. In our culture today, we hear and read of many, many being named for improper behavior. It's somewhat sad and disappointing. There's sad stories that are rooted in sexual immorality. And here Ephesus says, just avoid that. There are some really disappointing things of sexual impurity going on. And we read about them and they're all over the internet. There are many behaviors that are common for many people, but completely unacceptable and it's stated here, not proper among saints. I don't know if you've been reading or been aware of the situation going on with the former USA gymnastics doctor. It's sad. It is totally sad. Concerned Women for America legal counsel Marco Diaz writes that those getting acquainted with this case right now might miss that just like virtually every other predator in the history of sexual assault, Nasser fed groomed and rotted his brain on pornography before and after abusing girls for years. I don't think he just woke up one day and says, I'm going to do this. It says that his procedures 
He, he, at first, he pleaded not guilty. He pleaded not guilty on the charges against him. His procedures were just misconstrued, he said, he argued for. But as the FBI investigated him, they found over 37,000 images and videos of child pornography on various devices at his home. He had even taped himself, recorded himself committing assaults. Yet while the scientific understanding of the harmful effects of pornography continues to grow, our society continues to ignore the problem. Even the state of Maryland made a recent resolution that says during a one-year period, 42% of Internet users who are minors reported being exposed to pornography. And of those 42%, 66% of Internet users who are minors exposed to pornography reported that the exposure was unintentional. A minor is more likely to be exposed to pornography if the minor possesses risk factors, including a high risk of depression or delinquency, or if a minor is a victim of harassment. The message version reads, don't allow your love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices, or bullying greed. That's what we see. But God has called us to live holy. To live holy is the principle. To live as children of the light. If you go to chapter 5, verse 7, I think it's pretty clear. It says, therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness. Hello? One time we were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. Do what is good, do what is right, do what is true. That's a principle for living holy. We are at a time where we're looking for people who are guided by principles. Abraham Lincoln was guided by principles. There are several marriages that are guided by principles. We need to guide our life by principles, living as children of light. We were at one time living like that. But now we live differently. What is good? What is right? What is true? It takes discernment, the Bible says. Think. Reason. Filthy lust, Matthew Henry writes, must be rooted out. It's how we behave. Does how we behave really make sense? Based on God's love for us, if God really loves you and you've accepted that love, does how we behave really make sense? It seemed like the apostle was even embarrassed to even have to discuss But he cared. He had expectations. He believed we could do better. Living holy is living in the light. And living in the light is also living as wise. Chapter 5, verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. That That could have been written last night. Another reason or another remedy against sin, Matthew Henry says, is, to, is care or caution. Walk circumspectly, used to be the word, or redeem the time. Make good use of your time. I remember back in the day in elementary school, probably about 50 years ago, we used to have on our report card a category that called 
that said, uses time wisely. Any of you remember that category? I remember I ran into Mrs. Davis when my dad and mom moved me from my foster elementary school to Walnut Elementary School, and I ran into Mrs. Davis. Mrs. Davis, in that box, checked minus. Paul Flores does not know how to use his time wisely. Some of you got your box, you didn't get your box checked as well, right? I didn't even know what wisely meant. How did she know when I went home, I just watched TV or just played outside and do homework? How did she know when I had free time, I didn't open up a book or didn't open up something to read or did something? How did she know that? Use this time wisely. You could go back to my report card. If you find, hopefully you don't find them, not checked. But she had an expectation for me that there's something that we can use. Make sure to number your, make your days and your time count. Uses time wisely. Well, I wish I could run into Mrs. Davis to say to today and say, Mrs. Davis, um, I learned how to use my time wisely. And that third grader who could not get that box checked off under your tutelage now has a PhD, is now a professor, is now using his time wisely. You too. You too can learn to use your time wisely. Turn the internet off. Turn your phone off. Open up a good book. Have a conversation with someone. Use your time wisely. That's a principle for living holy. Living like we are children of the light and living as the wise do. And lastly for today, we go to chapter 5, verse 18. Living, imitating God, living holy, and submission. Chapter 5, verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The Greek phrase translated be filled does not refer to the filling of the Spirit at one time or a once and for all experience. Be filled, rather, is an ongoing way of life involving repeatedly being filled, using your time wisely like on a Sunday morning to continually be filled. We're called to submit to the Holy Spirit. The principle of submission to the Spirit is being influenced in thought and behavior by the Holy Spirit. And the apostle contrasts with being filled with the Holy Spirit, which influences behavior, as being, being filled with wine. But that has different outcomes. How can be that we have to know that being filled with wine influences behavior? And that has a different result than being filled with the Spirit that influences your behavior and has a godly result. The message version says, don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Hello, some of us have cheapened our life by drinking too much. I would just say just by drinking, period. It cheapens your life. The New Living Translation version says, this ruins your life. I don't know how many accounts we've all been familiar with with somebody who cheapened their life or who ruined their life because of drinking the wrong kind of wine. The Holy Spirit says, calls us to be under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit. It leads to praising, the passage says, speaking and singing with joy to God. Not singing drunk songs, singing spirit-filled songs as we're worshiping the Lord. 
The principle of living a spirit-controlled life is seen on our relationships. Submission to the spirit is exemplified in submission to one another. Chapter 5, verse 20 reads, Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. To submit means to give one's own rights for the sake of another. Subject or submission. The Greek word is hupotosamai is a military term meaning to line up under. Hupo means under. Tasso means to arrange. Line your life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Line up. Ready. Be ready for anything. The general principle of mutual submission in Christ involves our interpersonal relationships and has as its goal to do whatever is best for someone else, to help them fulfill their God-given purposes. That's a principle for marriage. You learn how to submit to one another. You learn how to mutually submit for the benefit of the other person in your relationship. And that's the same principle for the way we conduct life in a family and in this family. We mutually submit one to another for the benefit of each other so that God may be glorified and his praise may be magnified. Authentic Christianity is really played out in the home. Authentic Christianity really isn't played out on the internet. Authentic Christianity is played out in the church. This is how we learn how to become Christians, by interacting with one another and mutual submission unto one another. They apply to me. They apply to us. Here is voluntary submission to oneself, to others, out of reverence for the Lord. Every Christian is called to such submission. For even Jesus practiced submission to the Father and gave himself on behalf of the Father for humanity. Christians, us, are involved in many relationships such as marriage, family, friendships, and the church. The wife submits or yields in love to her husband's responsibility of leadership. The husband submits to the wife's need and attitude of love and self-sacrifice. Children submit to the authority of parents and obedience to God. And parents submit to the will, to to the needs of the children and instructs or nourishes in the ways of the Lord. That's the rest of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6. It involves following Christ's example. I'm always amazed. I'm very grateful the fact that, uh, uh, that my wife and I have, have, are now in our 31st year of marriage. And I'm always amazed that someone always asks, what's the secret? Have you been asked that? What's the secret? There is no secret. What do you mean, what's, what's the secret? Because it's, the secret is that you love one another. You love God and you just serve one another. That's no secret. It's pretty simple. All this other stuff of clicking here and clicking that and doing this, that's complicated. There is no secret. It's loving God and loving one another. It's submitting to God and submitting to one another. Pretty simple. And my are the joys and the excitement of marriage a phenomenal and amazing thing. Sometimes you might hear that marriage is hard. You might hear that? I bet you there are people who are single who would say the single life is hard. Life is hard because we're human beings. But life can be beautiful in mutual submission to Christ and to one another. I am grateful for the role models I have here. Some of those who are before me, some of those who are my peers. I love to see you enjoy one another and the blessing of God. 
as painful as it is, even when you go through trials and challenges and pains and disappointments, that it's phenomenal for me as an observer to see you persevere in your love for Christ and your love for one another. That's what F.F. Bruce says, that this involves following Christ's example. God's love is a key component in all of our relationships. So today, we have an opportunity to remember where we once were. How many remember where you once were? And what we once did. I didn't use time wisely. But no, I, I am banking on my time now. I am a good steward of my time. Therefore, we can live with these principles God gives to make a difference. One person, one home at a time. That is the word of the Lord. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray.